I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. In a little while, you will hear from Brian Doan, national recruiting analyst with 24-7 Sports. I know he is a favorite of our listeners. You get him once again. And uh, Sean Fitz and Brian Doan reunited once more on the uh, camp circuit on Sunday afternoon. The Under Armour All-America Regional Series rolled into the Baltimore area. And Sean, a lot of Penn State intrigue in the form of targets, some commits, and a lot of good stuff already up on lines247.com. VIP listener, subscribers uh, know full well that you had great coverage from this event. And I look forward to hearing it from from both of you when, when this podcast goes live. Well, I was looking forward to going to it, not only to see Doan for a second consecutive weekend, that's always fun, uh, but there's there's plenty of Penn State targets on hand, some guys that maybe we didn't even know about coming into it. Uh, don't even surprise me with a top 100 guy that, that has Penn State high on his list. So it, it's this time of year, we're starting to get closer to um, you know, closer to the information. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but we were so far detached from prospects. We didn't get to go to camps. We didn't get to see these guys on campus and things like that. Um, and I think it, 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 I don't know that the work quality suffered, but certainly the information was, was harder to come by. So to get out there, to see some of these guys, to meet some of these guys was great. And by the way, I apologize if my voice gets gravelly today, allergies are back in full force in state college. I'm looking outside. It looks like it's snowing with all the stuff flying around out there, but uh, I apologize for that in advance. Um, and hopefully it doesn't, uh, doesn't hinder the show too much. I'm convinced you just kind of jumped into the linebacker drills on Sunday and started shouting at the kids, giving them some encouragement. That's kind of what I'm hearing in your voice. Yeah, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, it was more the defensive line, but yeah, that was, that was, you were up, up barking up the right tree. You will hear a lot about that camp uh, and more on the recruiting trail from Brian and Sean a little bit later, uh, but we're going to focus in on a Penn State addition to the 2022 recruiting class, Malik McNeil on Saturday afternoon. We were all kind of focusing in on day three of the draft. We were in between getting getting to another camp, and, and this popped up where Malik McNeil decides he's ready to announce his decision. Penn State's the pick, listed at six foot eight, three hundred and forty pounds, plays high school ball up in Massachusetts. He is a native of the Bronx, New York. And Sean, um, it, t- it took uh, I think nine months to get that second offensive line commitment in this class. Joining Drew Shelton, Malik McNeil's the guy. Well, we're kind of in purgatory right now, recruiting purgatory when it comes to making decisions. I think we closed on the mailbag with that uh, last week and we talked about guys are just waiting until June. And that was evidently very clear to me when we went to uh, when I went to the Under Armour camp. That's all guys wanted to talk about was four or five visits in June, getting things uh, squared away. So Malik McNeil making a decision. I can't I think we kind of teased that in the mailbag last week as well, that this is uh, this is one that he felt ready to make a decision even without taking those visits. He did take these 
unofficial unofficial visits where he got to check out campus and get around uh, the facilities, not, not inside the facilities, didn't get to talk to the coaches or anything like that, but he got a chance to see the campus felt pretty comfortable. Uh, great relationship with Phil Troutwine. I think that was the main thing that brought him to Penn state. I'm interested, interested to see uh, the direction that he goes over the next year. I don't know if that six, eight, three forty is completely legit. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're six, eight and you're under, you know, you're underserving there. Uh, you still might be six, six and that's perfectly fine, but there's no doubt about it. This is a big kid. I mean, you look at the, the videos that he posts, the photos and things like that. Huge kid. He's actually lost a lot of weight. He's down to three forty now. Um, and continues to go in that right direction. Multi-sport kid originally went to play basketball. I mean, I don't know how many times we've heard that about prospects, especially offensive line prospects went somewhere to play basketball. All of a sudden you put some pads on them and they're, they're, a division one offensive tackle. So um, hopefully he continues to follow in the footsteps of some of those guys also throws the shot, put set a school record last week. So a nice all around athlete. I mean, you see 340 pounds and you're kind of spooked by that, but big frame seems to wear it. Well, I'm sure he's got some reshaping to do. They all do. Um, but he's got some athleticism. He checks a lot of boxes and we'll, we'll talk with uh, Brian Doan here in a little bit about Malik McNeil and it seems like he's a guy that's on the ascent right now. Um, I know the offer list uh, isn't the prettiest. He picked Penn State over Boston College and Rutgers, and um, Auburn was there. Duke was there. Some other schools were, um, you know, some some other power five schools were in there, but it's not the sexiest offer list on there. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of potential for this big guy. McNeil attends Williston Northampton School up in Massachusetts. Um, and, and Sean, he's a guy who, as you referenced, got the offer during the winter in February. This was a Phil Troutwine spearheading th this process to get him on board. Um, and I know Troutwine had really expressed a lot of excitement, like all the other coaches on the staff, to get guys in front of him in June and July ask them to, to do certain things that maybe they're not comfortable with, see how they react, get the level of coachability with some of these prospects that they have in their board, maybe find some guys that aren't on their board. McNeil from point A to point B, February uh, to where we are now, entering May with him committed. Um, how do you think they were able to cross this finish line comfortably? You know, I just don't think he was buying into the process in terms of like, okay, I can sit around, I can wait. He scheduled a visit to Penn State. He didn't schedule the other the other ones, and he was, I think he was kind of like, okay, I think I'm ready to do this, even without the official visits. Um, he'll still get some sort of that recruiting process when he comes in June for his official, but he just never seemed to to really buy into the process and figured why wait. I mean, this is a kid that that has a top three. You're looking at guys that are cutting down to top twelve, top fifteen right now he had a pretty clear indication of where he wanted to go. So I think that's the thing that kind of pushed him across the line. Penn State, uh, you know, it, it was one of those offers where it came out fairly early February, kind of early at this point. Um, and it seemed like, okay, maybe this is a guy they want to see at camp. Maybe they're just offering to stay in. They actually were on him pretty hard the entire time. I know Troutwine was in there. Wendy Laurent, the offensive line uh, graduate assistant, Ty Hall as well. Um, so they were on him pretty hard and, and it seemed to, to, to come to fruition there. Um, I think we've been leaning this way. You and I have been talking about this since I think late March when he visited, you thought Penn state was going to be the place. You just needed to make sure they had a spot and, and he's had one for the last six or eight weeks. It's just too early to know what we're going to be available to cover June and July right now, Sean, but in terms of who we are looking forward to getting on the practice field at Penn state, you could really go down the entire list of commits and targets because it's been so long 
for me and, and for most of the guys with you, you've gotten a few in front of your eyeballs here in the past couple of weeks. But a long time since we saw anybody competing on the field, this is a guy for me, I'm particularly intrigued. You look at the size, and I know that, that when he gets into drill work, this is the kind of situation where I would anticipate Phil Troutwine will load him up with reps, ask him to do some different things, ask him to get some different looks. And, and I think if we have a chance to watch in on that, you and I will come away with a, a much more full assessment of this young man, although I know Brian Doan will break it down pretty extensively later here in the episode. Oh, I agree with you. I'm really looking forward to see him if he does decide to camp, if he does decide to get out there. I think it's a, a great opportunity for for an eval that we, you know, otherwise wouldn't get. I think I talked to Brian in a little bit. And he's he says he could see his his rating continuing to climb. Um, depends how he moves, depends how he bends. I mean, I'm not gonna take the easy way out and go with the Sterling Jenkins comparison or the Des Holmes comparison or whatever um, big body guy or Lou Fashanu or something like that. Um, I want to see him in person, get a, get a fresh set of eyes on him. It, it, I mean, like I said, the size is, is unquestionable, whether he's six, 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 eight, uh, you, you look at some of the, you look at the shot put video he just put up. And like I said, he just broke his school record in the shot put. Uh, he's, so much bigger than everybody around him. It's, it's pretty, it's almost comical. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that translates to the football field. Camp's a good opportunity to see that. I uh, would like to, you know, get our eyes on as many of these guys I mentioned uh, later in the, in the conversation with Dome, we talk about Andre Roy, kind of the same situation, big kid, athletic kid, good feet for, for his size. And we want to see how these guys sort of, uh, I don't want to say grayed out, but uh, want to see how these guys project to me, Penn State moving forward and, and taking him. And I know Troutwine likes this type of this body type for them to move ahead and, and go full force with some other guys still on the board. It says they like him a lot. Yeah, I think that is a reflection of, of where they see Malik McNeil down the line. And right now, 24-7 Sports evaluating him as a, a, a three-star prospect, number 65 among offensive tackles, and the number four uh, player on the Massachusetts high school landscape. Uh, Sean, this kind of sets us up. It's been a little while since uh, Drew Aller committed in early March. Uh, this is the next commitment on the board. So our first chance to kind of reset things. Nine guys on board. This is a class ranked number six nationally in the 24-7 sports composite, trailing only Ohio State among Big Ten programs. And let's take a look at what they have real quick before we look at what they don't have. Got two quarterbacks, Bo Prabula, Drew Aller, both just hit the uh, Elite 11 circuit, got a fresh looks at them. Uh, wide receivers, Caden Saunders and Anthony Ivey, an athlete, Makai Flowers, who could fit in with that wide receiver group, could end up at safety at the next level. Jerry Cross at tight end, Drew Shelton, and now Malik McNeil on the offensive line. Uh, Ken Talley, who, who delivers some potential as a, as a hybrid kind of guy, a linebacker, maybe an edge rusher. Um, and, and then that leads us to, to, to what is missing. And you can really start at running back, defensive back, but you can work your way on um, as we get to a stage where less than a month away from the floodgates opening, the visits happening, and the camps taking place. Yeah, not worried about those spots filling up. It's just a matter of who's going to take them at this point. Got a couple of spots at running back. Of course, receiver, you're always recruiting receiver. Got a couple of guys coming in this summer, Darius Clemens and uh, uh, Christian Driver are going to come in for visits. And, and you know, there's more, even more guys on the board at that position. A couple more offensive linemen. And then, of course, that defensive line is, is the most important part, especially defensive end. Um, that's a spot that's kind of on a uh, you know, kind of at the at the pit of where it's been in terms of numbers, in terms of uh, recruiting. But I think that that's a spot where you can get a lot better pretty fast, especially with guys like Deny Dennis Sutton on there. We'll talk to Doan uh, about some of these guys that we saw on the defensive line. Uh, linebacker still out there. D-backs still out there. So um, I don't think, uh, you know, there's nine commitments right now. That's It seems like there's 
quite a bit of spots left uh, for Penn State to fill up over the next couple of months. And again, we don't really expect anything until those June visits happen. And then it's probably the end of June, middle of July. All those guys that I talked to this weekend were kind of focusing on at some period, at some point in July, when you can make that decision, uh, you kind of get your head in order after taking those visits. And that really is what makes sense because you can reset all these guys like to make their uh, decision before their senior seasons. And I think that's going to be the next hot time for not only Penn state, but national recruiting as well. Sean, we're looking at as many as eight of these nine commits as currently constructed, impacting Penn State on offense. This is a spot where since they have been able to host recruits and get to know them face-to-face, you've gone through a couple different offensive coordinator changes. You've had an offensive line coach come in, a tight end, a very popular, effective recruiter at tight ends coach, move on. Wide receivers coach who still hasn't hasn't been able to host face-to-face. I know defense has had changes but you got a couple of mainstays there. Brent Pry, Terry Smith, been with the program a long time now. Are you surprised at all at how skewed Penn State has built this thing as the coaching staff has shifted with the dead period? Not really. I mean, you look at how they started. I mean, uh, Saunders and, and Shelton guys that are, excuse me, Saunders and Cross, um, you know, guys that were, one was a random, one was a guy that they had a long-term relationship with. Uh, Prabula got on board, which, not, I mean, you look back, that's not a surprise at all. And then Yurcich comes in and, and you know, you get a little bit more offensive appeal there. So uh, not really surprised by that. And, you know, I, I don't know that we've seen the effect of Mike Yurcich yet. We saw Drew Aller there, but Ivy was com- committed beforehand. Cross was committed. Saunders committed. Uh, Flowers even looked really good at wide receiver this weekend when I saw him. Um, so I, I don't know that we've seen the effect of that, but I mean, it, it is one-sided, no getting around it. I don't think there's a particular reason that that is. I mean, if you look at the defensive board, it's not like there are you know, a lot of guys off of there already. So I, I think it's just circumstance. You look at what's available. I mean, you've got Prabula from Pennsylvania, Ivy from Pennsylvania, Shelton from Pennsylvania, uh, Tally from Pennsylvania, and Flowers. I mean, that's four out of five on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't think that really changes a whole lot uh, in terms of outlook. Again, running back still the big position on the offense. I mean, you're not going to stop recruiting offensive guys. Nick Singleton's out there. Talked to Ramon Brown over the weekend, the Virginia running back, George Petaway still out there. It's just a, a bunch of quality backs out there. So plenty of options at, uh, at, at a number of spots, but I think it's just I think it's just coincidence how how it's shaping up on the offensive and defensive side of the balls. And along the way, only one commitment lost also on offense and tight end Holden stays. This has been a group that has stayed together and now are going to get to enjoy a bit of a payoff as they get gather on campus in June for their official visits and, and presumably some camp action as well. Sean, we got a lot more to talk about. Who else is out there? Who is Penn State looking to fill those different position holes with? A lot of candidates to discuss between you and Brian Doan are coming up in just a moment. Our listeners will enjoy this one. Stay with us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We told you it's a recruiting-heavy episode. For that, we go to our favorite guest, Brian Doan from 24-7 Sports. Doan and I hung out once again this weekend uh, at the Under Armour Baltimore camp. Uh, Before we get to that, Doan, Penn State got a new commit from from this region, from your region. Um, What can you tell us about Malik McNeil? He's big. He's long. No, it's a, you know, offensive lineman, offensive tackle. Um, His length is is tremendous. He's got huge upside. You know, I I know some people, I don't know if you know this fits, but sometimes people really get caught up on rankings, especially early or midway through a cycle. We just did a camp this weekend. I know that. Yes. Really? Okay. I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't sure if that was something that you were aware of. But Malik McNeil is he's a kid from the Bronx who goes to school in Massachusetts, a boarding school. He's a former basketball player um, and he's just learning football. Right. The first year he played football, he played defensive tackle because he had to play another sport because you have to play a sport each um, trimester at the boarding school. And so he did. And he kind of liked it. And then he started as the offensive lineman as a sophomore. And he was he was okay, right? I mean, what you would think of a kid growing into his body who's six eight, and so that's where his ranking is. And so I preface it all by that: don't look where it is now, because I, I think he's a kid that once we get some film on him in the fall, and hopefully we see him on the camp circuit, or I'll go watch him work out because he works out in North Jersey, which is kind of close to me. Um, I think you know once we see that I I think his ranking has a chance to really go up in a big way because he's got quick feet. He's able to move his feet well, and he just does, you know, he's got to get in the weight room and get stronger in the upper body. So he understands hand placement. Um, He understands just, you know, how to deliver a good initial punch, but he can move laterally and he's a hard worker and he's a smart kid. And if, you know, you and I have spoke about this a few times, if you look at what offensive line coach Phil Troutwine wants at Penn State since he's come to Penn State, these are the bodies he wants. He wants guys with length who can bend and who they can still sculpt their body for the most part. Look, Planet Tangwell was a no-brainer just because of he's so far physically developed. But when you're looking at guys who can develop into what you would think would be offensive tackles in the NFL, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for guys with length who you then can develop in the weight room and technique-wise. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to be close to scratching that potential. You see his film. He's, you know, the competition is not great, obviously, but you can <laughs> you can pick up on that that balance, the feet and things like that. And that's really what you what you have to watch. And like you said, I hope we get to see him in camp. I hope we get to see him at Penn State's camp this year. Um, but yeah, this is one of those ones where you just kind of look at the ranking now. And, and this is across the board. We've I think we've talked about this every time you're on. Yeah, just don't get latched on to those early rankings because, you know, we see these guys in camp. We see these guys. Uh, they got more film to process. We've got guys that are playing in the spring. And, you know, people just want to latch on to be him being a three-star. I mean, that very well not might not be the case when it comes to the fall. I'm not saying that he's definitely a four-star or anything, right. but he checks so many boxes that you like in an offensive lineman that we know that Phil Troutwine likes in an offensive lineman. And it just seems like he's, you know, he's he's got some positive momentum right now. 
look, if you're going to miss, miss on kids that look like this, right? So that's the first thing. If, you're, if, if they're not going to work out, just make sure you've given yourself a lot of built-in advantages. But, you know, I, I think at least for me, and I know talking to some guys across the network, this is kind of like a, a different type of philosophy that we've had in 22, and you're really going to see it in 23, is instead of rushing to a ranking or maybe, you know, putting in a ranking at a certain time, at least for me, I'm trying to get a more complete picture. Malik McNeil is a kid that I started out probably, geez, if I went back and looked at his profile, maybe around an 83, then I got some workout stuff from him from the winter and early spring. And I think we pushed him up to maybe 86. I think he's at now 85, 86. And it can continue to, to go in that direction. And I anticipate he will go up again just based on speaking with his coach, with his trainers, knowing what he's about. But why am I going to – I mean, I, I know it's great and people want the um, instant gratification of it. But, you know, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm really comfortable – taking my time with i mean lonnie white we did it in the 2021 class he wound up you know pretty highly ranked um you just want to get a chance to see some of these guys and and i i really like the approach that we're taking as a network to doing stuff like that and then when you when you look at mcneil just there's not a lot of kids with that size out there and he he can move and those are two really good things to start with and we'll see if he's six six, six eight, whatever he may be. We saw a six eight guy this weekend. He turned into six six by the time we left camp. He was so really good, though. <laughs> he was really good. He was really yes. good. Uh, yeah, Andre Roy down at yeah. uh, that's from St. Francis down at the Under Armour. Yeah. This weekend, we got a chance to check out some very very good prospects at the Under Armour Baltimore camp. Um, our uh, alpha dog of the event, uh, Andrew Ivins came up from Florida. Don, you were there. I was there. Uh, Andre Green, wide receiver from Virginia. This is a guy that uh, has been on Penn State's radar for a long, long time. I don't know that they're in the upper echelon of this recruitment at all. Um, but this is one where, you know, he, he was kind of head and shoulders above that wide receiver group. The only guy close, probably Makai Flowers, who was working out. We have him as a, or we, we project him as an athlete. He was working out at receiver, but Andre Green just kind of head and shoulders above that group. Yeah, and he was. And, and I think that was my first chance to see Andre Green. Right. And so, you know, you and I talk all the time about how sometimes kids inflate, you know, just how tall they are or, or whatever. He does not. I mean, he's he's a big kid. He's he's well proportioned. You know, he's strong. But you know, when you, when you go to these camps, you're looking, hey, that kid's not bad. Hey, that kid's got a chance. Hey, this kid, you know, I like what he did here. And then you watch Andre Green. And he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's long, he can high point the ball, he gets off the line, and it just looks different. There was a little, there was a ball thrown, you and I were um, doing our greatest scouting of the day, and it was kind of like a corner fade route sent our way, where he just went up and caught, you know, he jumped up and he hung in the air for a few seconds, it seemed like, and he just snatched it out, put it away. And I think in mid-sentence, you may have said something like, Hey, did you just see that? And and it's really hard in a camp setting to have moments like that. Um, and, and he had them. And you watch him go through some of these drills, and he was just so much more smooth than everybody else. Now, one of my issues with the camp was there were not many one-on-ones, whether it was O-line, D-line, or you know, receivers going against corners. And he did not have great success in a couple of the routes that he ran, but that's as much quarterback being on the same page. So I, I don't really look into that as much, but 
Andre Green was was phenomenal. I, I think, you know, between you, Andrew Ivins, myself, I think there's going to be a discussion about moving him up a, a pretty good amount. But, you know, he's got the official visit set to, to North Carolina and Georgia. Early in the process, Penn State was heavily involved. And I, I still think Penn State has a really good chance to get an official visit out of him. He really hasn't trimmed his list. I know LSU's on him, Oklahoma's on him. But he's a kid who... I think we'll wind up um, taking some local visits on officials as well. But I, I would be surprised if he didn't make his way to Penn State again at some point. Yeah, Penn State. Jaywan Siders on that one for Penn State. They're still on him, obviously. Just so smooth through those drills, gliding through. Um, it was kind of like when when he caught that ball that you alluded to earlier, it was kind of like a frog catching a fly just out of nowhere, just reached up and snatched it. So it was a really, really good play by him. On the defensive side of the ball, a guy that could have easily been Alpha Dog, a familiar name to our listeners, denied Dennis Sutton uh, from McDonough School down in Maryland. And boy, he was that was a really good group of defensive linemen, and he was he was the best. He was outstanding. And let me just point this out. Your transitions are almost as smooth as Andre Green's. But deny Dennis Sutton was outstanding just in terms of how big he is. I mean, he's legit six four, six five. He's 250, um, really put together. He moves really well. He's athletic. He, in some of the drills, he, he did a really good job bending. You could see the flexibility. And then, you know, we were sitting there watching the reps, the one-on-ones when they first went. And now listen, this kid's a stud. We know that. And so his first, the first rep of the one-on-ones was against um, a Rutgers commit, Nelson Monegro from Union City. And now Nelson is not used to this setting. And on top of that, you, you have Dennis Sutton being the guy that you're going against when he's never seen anything like this in his career. It, it went how you thought it would. And I think it just accentuates that Dennis Sutton was ready for this moment. He went there with a the purpose to say, hey, I'm this good. I deserve to get an invite to the Under Armour All-American game. He, he did not get one at that point, but he was just sensational. And even when you saw him standing in line, Fitz, you're like, oh, he just looks different. Oh, yeah. Six, four. I mean, he's I mean, six, four, six, five. I mean, I, I would say he's, he was taller than me and uh, 248 yeah. broke four, eight in the, in the 40. Just <laughs> moved. He just did everything so yeah. well. And if you put on his tape, that's what he does on tape. too. Yeah. And the thing is, and he didn't have a fall season, so he's another kid who, you know, we talked about it before with Malik McNeil, you know, and, and you're conservative. I was conservative with 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 Denai, and, and I expect he's going to move up. I mean, I was talking to Andrew Ivins, and he's like, and, he, and Andrew's based in South Florida, so, you know, he, he sees a fair amount of talent. I, I don't know if people realize, but South Florida has a few players. And you watch him, and you're like, wow, this this kid – you know, you could put him in South Florida, Southern, well, Southern California, you could Texas, Ohio, Georgia, wherever, and he would stand out there. He's not just a kid that stands out, you know, just in this region. He would he would stand out anywhere, um, you know, and look, I, I think Penn State has a great chance for him with, uh, you know, he's got an official set for there. Um, Georgia, he has one set for Alabama. And I know you spoke with him after Fitz, um, so you, you you'd have a lot more on it at this moment, but he, he was just, I mean, boy, if, if you're Penn state, that's the kid you got to land from that school. And not just as a football player, that kid is phenomenal. He's a great kid. Listen, man, he walks up. What's the first thing he says 
Now, I've never met him. I've talked to him enough times. I've never met him. First thing he says is, hey, man, how's your family been? What's going on? How, how are they doing? How are the kids and all that stuff? And you're like, wait a minute, how old are you? Yep. So he's, imp- yep. he's an impressive kid. Beyond that, another big defensive end target. And and honestly, I came away thinking, okay, maybe this kid's a, a linebacker hybrid, something, something like that. But Anto Saka, we saw him for the first time. You and I both loved his tape. Uh, kind of were waiting for this moment to see how athletic he, he actually was because he stood out so much above his teammates at loyal Blake at Loyola Blakefield. Um, but I mean, right away, you, he, he made his mark. He ran a nice 40 uh, tested real well and, and went through those drags, those, those bag drills very quickly and just kind of showcased some athleticism that we were just like, okay, that's a, that's a little bit of confirmation bias. We think this kid can play. And on top of that, he can really move. Yeah. I mean, and there were a few kids that just kind of jump out because of their, their athleticism. And with Anto, you just wanted to make sure did his size check out, right? Because he's not the biggest kid. He's not going to be a Derek Moore who's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's going to be a kid who's, you know, he's a 6'3 range, but he really is agile. His change of direction is phenomenal. And as you look at what's going on in the college game these days, you can see guys like him are more valuable on defense because he could be an edge rusher. He could be outside linebacker, drop into coverage. And so now you're talking about somebody who can be used in different ways in multiple packages and he can run. Now, if he's going to play more on the line of scrimmage, he's still going to have to get stronger and bulk up. And, and that's fine because he's, he's just ending his junior season in high school. But, you know, when, when you're trying to do all these projections and comparisons, you know, when you have kids his size, the comparison when you're dealing with Penn State is how, how similar to him, you know, how similar to Shaka Tony is he? And I, I think you're looking and Shaka was one of the most explosive kids I, I had seen who was kind of an, undersized DN type in high school and you wondered where he would fit in college. Mm-hmm. And and I think Anto is kind of very, you know, he's very similar. He he's got explosion and and in those first two steps, man, he goes. Long arms too. Um yeah. Yeah. An- another guy with long arms on the off- on the offensive side of the ball, Andre Roy, a uh mm. a, I would call him an emerging line offensive line target for Penn State. Seems to have steadily climbed the board in the last month or two out of St. Francis, out of Baltimore. Obviously they haven't had, you know, a ton of success there, but Penn state's right in the mix. They're going to get an unofficial visit from him in June. Um, big boy. I mean, he, he, now he did come into the day at six, eight and was six, six by the time he left that happens with camps. <laughs> um, but he certainly showed that he's, he's got a lot to work with there. Yeah. And listen, there's no, you know, six, six is fine. Right. He's got length. And he's, I, I think if that kid raised his hand right now, Penn State would take him. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind, actually. Um, I've seen him in the spring. You know, they, they had a game that they broadcast on YouTube against Good Counsel. And I watched and I was like, wait, who's this? Who's this left tackle? He's pretty good now. And, you know, you never really know about rosters. And I did some checking. And who was it? It was Andre Roy. And so I'm excited to see him. I see him at the camp. He looks good, right? He, he, he shed some weight. He reshaped his body a bit. He's going to still have to continue to get stronger, but he looked good. He was so comfortable and confident. He was winning reps and there was no stress on him winning those reps. I mean, it was, it wasn't like you were sitting there going, Woo, he recovered well. Or look how quick it was. So in control. It was, it was impressive to watch. And, you know, I talked to a few 
coaches after and and you kind of get the sense that his recruitment you know it's kind of quiet St. Francis kids on a whole are a little different with recruiting where they're not out there as much as some other kids are and so you know looking at Penn State NC State Rutgers I think Pitt and Maryland are involved also but the, the feeling was coming out of the camp was his recruitment could, you know, he, he could get some more offers coming his way pretty quickly. Um, but I do know Penn state likes him a lot. Rutgers likes him a lot. NC state was doing really well with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think those are the three schools you're really looking at right now. Yeah. He's going to take a Boston college visit as well. And that's, right. and he's a guy which really doesn't know what he's doing. And I kind of said this in my chat earlier today, and it's, and it's, it's more of a compliment than anything. Um, those are the kind of guys that when they move like that and, you know, they don't have a, a technique down or anything uh, of that nature, that's a good thing for an offensive lineman like that. Yeah. And you have to remember now he played as a sophomore, right? And so he's kind of thrown into it. And and then you have that learning curve where you can, where you're able to work with your coach, especially at St. Francis, where they had spring practice. Well, he didn't have that for a year. And so you really lost a year of development with him. And he, he did a lot of stuff with his athleticism, but I do think beyond that, you know, he did do a good job sinking his hips, staying in his base and not reaching. I thought he was patient. Um, and it looked like he really enjoyed just dominating. He wasn't overly, you know, braggadocious or anything like that. But you could just tell he wanted. And he's like, yeah, you got no chance against me. Yeah, he was having fun doing it. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to get you out of here. But anybody else that jumped out to you? Uh, I know there's a ton of Penn State targets. There's a bunch of sleepers there as well. Anybody that you would uh, just kind of lightning around your way through as, as you get out of here? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, one of the kids I really look at is Derek Moore, the top 100 defensive end, also out of St. Francis. And, you know, I remember walking over to you after the camp. I'm like, yo, Derek Moore said he really likes Penn State and is talking to him a lot. And you're like, oh, uh, that's interesting because there's not a lot known about Derek Moore because, you know. Yeah, that one that one caught me off guard. I'm not yeah, he, lie. It, it caught me off guard, too, because I was expecting Oklahoma and Ohio State, but I was not expecting to hear the Penn State with it. And look, it's a great job because. You know, we always he, he has a great relationship with Deion Barnes. And I think if you're a recruit, everybody does. Right. I don't know how that guy sleeps or when he sleeps. But he also said he speaks a lot with with Coach John Scott and with, you know, D-line coach and with Coach James Franklin. And look, Derek Moore tweaked his ankle early in the camp. So he didn't do a whole bunch, but he was going through some bag drills and some agility drills. And he's he moves like you know, when you're talking and he's a top 50 player for us. And when you're talking about kids rated that high, their athleticism stands out like walking and chewing gum. That's how talented these kids are. And so you can really see it. So I think, you know, him, I think he's somebody to keep an eye on. And if I'm Penn state, I, I, you know, if I'm a Penn state fan, just pay attention to Oliver bridges. You know, we, we don't have the numbers yet, but, what I can tell you is, you know, he's saying, you know, his, his circle saying he ran a four, three, eight, which I'm sure he did. Cause he f- killed it when he was down in Virginia in November, he's a big, long kid. I think in coverage, there's some things that you wonder about if he's a safety or corner, but at his size and length, I, I could put him at outside linebacker right now and be comfortable with it because of his size and that speed that I, I think if you're Penn state, 
you pay attention to, to him a little bit, you know, as a Penn State fan, and, and you really say, okay, what, what's going on with him? And just, you know, just see where it develops with him. Those are the two guys really for me um, to, to pay attention to. Yeah, Bridges is fascinating because, you know, you, you and I were both saying, okay, you throw him at that Sam field outside linebacker, and, you know, he, he may not – flawlessly turn and run, you know, with as, as a corner or something like that, you probably don't need that as much at Sam, even though they do play a bit in space and things like that. But you look at some of these guys, uh, Oliver Bridges, Sherrod Koval was there yesterday and guys that we haven't seen guys that we may have thought were cornerbacks. And all of a sudden you're thinking, Hey, maybe that guy's a linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. Koval, I think Koval to me would be a great guy, safety kind of nickel guy who he's aggressive. He'll play in the box. He'll knock the snot out of you. I mean, and, and here's what you need to know about Sherrod Koval. He, he, you know, Chesapeake, Oscar Smith, he won a state championship Saturday night, Saturday night in Virginia beach. Where is he Sunday morning? Up in Baltimore at the Under Armour camp. Now he's playing in the game in the all-star game. So it behooves him to come up and part of it, but he easily could have been like, yo man, I'm not, I'm not, coming right now and then the other kid is and this will this will this will allow people either to tune off tune out or or start googling them the 2024 receiver Kalen Adams out of Virginia Beach Princess Anne Tony Grimes' school so if people are familiar with that yo man 2024 I know he's way down the road but that I've seen that kid live a few times now and watching him and how effortless he goes and gets the ball and he's legit you know what six two he is so smooth. He will be a national recruit if he's not already, because he's probably got about eight to 10 offers. But just remember that name, Kalen Adams. So Fitz, when we're doing this you know, podcast in three years, you're going to be like, hey, Kalen Adams. And I'm going to be like, who? But anyway, you know, he, he's a kid. If you're if you're if you want to have a little bit of fun, you have nothing to do. You're a Penn State fan tonight. You know, there's nothing really. To do. Just check out Kalen Adams and you'll be like, oh, Boy, I, I kid. Mm, how's he only a freshman? And check out our stuff from the camp. Uh, top performance is up. VIP recruiting notes from Brian Doan and the team are up. Uh, we got interviews with a couple prospects up as well. Uh, a lot to go from that. We got to go some, go through some video, check out some uh, photos, and go through the testing numbers if we end up getting them. Um, but a very very productive camp. I was just happy to be there. Happy to be there with you and your crab shorts um, <laughs> that uh, were the hit of the of the day. Um, but yeah, now it was a, it was always fun covering with Doan, and we got more more of that coming in the future right yeah it's outstanding and hey i should mention sean murphy there'll be something on lines 247 about the uh top 247 linebacker coming up too there was just too many guys there we just there were man there were and and i know people love listening to me talk all the time because you know i have such a great voice you know in my in my radio face and all but uh there was so much going on but it was so nice to be out like you said and just watching kids and and just being it was a beautiful day and it's just, you take it for granted a little bit sometimes, I think. And so just to be out there and see you, uh, Ivan's in the gang, it was really cool. And made it all worth it. I'm sure. All right, Don, <laughs> thanks for coming on. We'll catch you sometime soon and, uh, catch him on the site on lines 24 seven. He's always there. Catch him on Twitter at Brian Doan, two, four, seven Doan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. 
I'm Brandon Short, All-American linebacker, current member of Penn State's board, and two-time captain of your Nittany Lions. I'm running for re-election to Penn State's board. I come from a tough background, and a Penn State education changed my life. I had an NFL career, earned an MBA from Columbia, and I'm now in finance. Penn Staters have a lot of pride in athletics. There are wide-ranging benefits from success in athletics, increasing academic standards, supporting 850 student-athletes, and boosting the local economy. The current athletic budget is self-funding and is independent from the university, so investments have no impact on tuition or employee salaries. Yet, over the past decade, Michigan and Ohio State have outspent Penn State by $246 million and $390 million, respectively. Some candidates in this election want to de-emphasize athletics, making this gap wider. We must invest not for more touchdowns, but to benefit the local economy and enhance the entire university. If you agree, vote for Brandon Short, Steve Wagman, and Alvin DeLevy so together we can invest in Penn State's future. To vote, go to the link in the podcast show notes now. Thank you. Just a reminder that voting for the Penn State Board of Trustees ends Thursday, May 6th, so it is down to the wire. Um, thank you to Brendan Short for his support of the show, and we wish him well uh, with the outcome. Uh, turning our attention to the NFL draft results, coming off of that great conversation with Brian Doan, who continues to post some really in-depth stories on, on several of the guys he mentioned up at lines247.com. So match some of the conversation you heard here with some of the stories that are already up on the website. Um, and if you checked out the website, there's been a lot of draft coverage because there was a lot to report on this past weekend with Penn State producing six different players in the NFL draft. Um, that is the high mark this century, Sean. We have a, a nice tracker for every FBS program that 24-7 Sports makes available going through that. They've gotten there a few times, three in the last four years, but six is that high mark. Um, this was, when you look at the top of the draft for Penn State, really one that was special for them in, in relative terms here. Multiple first-round picks for the first time since 2003. Three guys inside the top 60 for the first time since that 2003 draft. Um, and, of course, Micah Parsons, the headliner here, the first defensive player selected in the first round out of Penn State in 11 years. Yeah, that was uh, it was fun to watch in spurts. If you were a Penn State fan, you got the first round there. And then, of course, I'm sure there's a lot of overlapping Steeler fans that got that second round pick with Friermuth, which I don't know that when it went over all that well. I know Penn State fans were probably happy to see him go there. But that offensive line need was something a lot of my friends griped about, at least. But I mean, you got a, a new Heath Miller there, in my opinion, with uh, with Friermuth. So I think that I think Steeler fans would take that. Then you had to wait all the way. To Saturday afternoon, round seven, a little longer than we thought Shaka Tony would be on the board. And then, bam, it got exciting real fast. I mean, you were trying to keep up as it happened, and you got Shaka going. Then one pick later, Michael Mennett, and then Will Fries, one pick later. You know, I, a small, a minor surprise there, but three picks in a row. I'm not sure that I've ever seen that. That's pretty incredible. That was an unbelievable because we were all, you know, kind of collaborating on, on making sure someone was available and, and following along pick by pick. And when Penn State guys would pop up and then all of a sudden three in a row, Mark was on watch at that moment. Um, and you felt good for these guys because as, as the day was going on, I couldn't believe it. The Saturday was getting deeper. You're getting toward dinner time. And it's like, wow, you know, no one else has come off the board here. I, you know, I was a lot higher on Chaka Tony in our draft projections, which which killed me in our draft uh, game and our, our, our mocks. But I had him coming off the board, I think, 10 picks into the fourth round. So that's very early in the day Saturday. 
he had to wait until the seventh round when, when your squad, the Washington football team, took him off the board. And then you get the two offensive linemen back-to-back, Michael Mennett, Will Fries, uh, Mennett going to the Cardinals, Fries going to the Indianapolis Colts. So three guys come off the board, round seven. I mean, you feel good for them, uh, but I can't imagine the tension that, that must be building. I think of that every year on these Saturdays. It used to be, I think, Sundays. Toward the tail end of the draft, these guys who – does it go from I want to hear my name called, I want to hear my name called to we're almost a free agency. Do I want to be able to be the one, be a little selective, which is ultimately what happened for Lamont Wade? I'm sure he would have loved to have been drafted, but the Steelers add him to a rookie class that also features Pat Frymouth. Yeah, and I appreciate the branding there from Michael Mennett going 247th overall. So it's it's <laughs> good to see there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's cool. I mean, the the Fries pick, as I mentioned, a, a minor surprise. We both had him under undrafted. We talked about Maybe, you know, you could see a scenario where he was drafted, but then you take into account things like Ryan Bates not getting drafted and you're like, okay, maybe that's not it, not in the cards for Will, but that that's awesome for him going to the Colts. Um, obviously they've had some success in the offensive line, uh, coaching those guys up. He's listed um, as a guard, by the way, on that, on that Colts roster. I'm not surprised. I mean, this is a guy that can play a couple different spots for them. He's played again. This is the earmark of Will Fries. I think we had it both in our preview is he's played a lot of football. He's very experienced very versatile over the last two years. He played much better football than I think fans will give him credit for. Um, you know, you, you, you obviously don't want to see him matched up against chase young in the pros, but that's, you could say that for a lot of offensive tackles. So happy for these guys. Um, you know, this is a spot where if you get drafted in the seventh, probably going to find your way onto the practice squad at some point. Um, as you mentioned, it was, it was a bit tense. I mean, you, you weren't sure about Shaka because yeah, I had him at the tail end of the fifth round at, I think the tail end of the fifth round or the start of the sixth round. And, uh, you know, I thought that might be a little bit conservative, but it seems the size caught up with him. Um, the concerns there are obviously um, not much he can do about that, but now he's got an opportunity with Washington and, you know, they, uh, you can always use pass rushers. I mean, and what a room, I mean, what a group he joins. And by the way, the position, for now, he's he's listed as defensive end. Uh, I think they have him at 6'2", 238 on their initial roster edition of Shaka Tony, but listed as a defensive end. Hey, just give him a chance. I mean, that's that's what he asked for. That's what he tweeted, I think, midway through the draft on Saturday. Just give him an opportunity and see what he can do. And now he's he's there to make the most of it. Now, Jason Oway is another guy that we, we you know, pretty quickly got uh, a you know, notification on his position with the Baltimore Ravens. They put out the announcement when they take him at number 31 right around midnight on Thursday evening, and they announced outside linebacker. Um, so this is a guy we, we know he's got the speed to play all over the, the field, but this was a spot where, you know, we saw him in a three-point stance at Penn State. That's really what he was asked to do at high school, but you know, you've got defensive coordinators making millions of dollars and, and assistants beneath them devising ways to attack the quarterback and collapse the pocket and to restrict opponents to a certain amount of points to win games. And with a guy like away, isn't the whole thing is kind of use your imagination with this kid. And, and, and that was the investment that the Ravens made at 31. And we were all in the ballpark there, by the way. You and I had him 32 to the Buccaneers and, and Mark had him at 30 to the Buffalo Bills. And he ends up here, his name called very late in the evening. And, and Jason Away is now the past reference there. Um, he's going with his first name. And, and I don't even want to say his first name without getting the pronunciation right. Odafe. Um, and if that is incorrect, I, I apologize. But it's not Jason. That was his middle name. And I didn't even know that, Sean, for the past five years. Um, I don't know if you were aware of that, that Jason was his middle name. Well, you know, Jason, and he's not going to make it harder on anybody else like that. That was his thing was like, OK, 
I, I did this for everyone else so that they'd be able to say my name. And now it's kind of like, okay, you're, you're going to have to learn my name now. I'm a, I'm a pro. I'm a first round pick. You're going to have <laughs> I to do it. was great. It. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was fantastic. I think you should have done it a, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a best case scenario landing spot right there. I mean, you look at the end of the first round, the bills, the Ravens and the, the Buccaneers where you and I both forecasted him. I mean, a spot where you can come in and learn a spot where they'll move you around and, and put you in different, different positions. Um, the, the, the thing that you heard uh, after the pick was, okay, well, defensive coordinator, they're very flexible about how he uses his guys. I mean, you're, you could see him playing outside linebacker. I'm sure you could, you're going to see him playing defensive end and moving around and, and doing a, a bunch of things that sort of harness that athletic ability. I don't know if you see it right away. I think they have a pretty good defense to start, and they, don't, they, they weren't drafting him to start as a rookie, which, again, that's a best-case scenario for him as he continues to learn. Um, and get them on one of those rookie deals where you have the fifth year option. I think that probably came into account as well. So it's um, I think it's a great landing spot for him. He's got a chance to learn. He's got a chance to, uh, you know, just sort of fall into whatever his niche may be in the pro in the pros. And we don't know what that is yet, but I think he has the ability to be successful. He has the uh, certainly has the the work ethic and the drive to get there. So um, happy for him to, to land at the end of the first round where maybe the expectations won't be there right away. And I looked it up. I should have done this before we recorded. Odafe Owe is the pronunciation there. And it's a name that I, I'm sure Baltimore Ravens fans are becoming quite familiar with uh, in the past few days. Um, and like you, I, I wish he had told us this the first time, had a chance to interview him in high school. We would have adjusted. We would have learned the name. But like you, that's kind of in Jason's nature. I'm glad he's, he's going with his heart. And it's a tip of the cap to his Nigerian descent, I know, with this name change. Um, now, I, I'm just looking here, and, and I know people were wondering, you know, what what – would Jason land in the first round because he does that you bring up the fifth year option. Uh, and, and that's, that's an important part of a guy that maybe you're building towards something and you know, it's going to be a bit of a haul, but because he lands at 31, you're looking at a value of a contract of, of over $11 million projected um, based on what we're seeing at spottrack.com, which was a really good job, um, you know, handling the salary uh, going dons of, of the NFL. And then you look at Micah Parsons uh, going to stand to make more than $17 million in and uh, cash here from his total value of the contract signed. And it doesn't seem that long ago that you and I were venturing to Harrisburg to cover a kid who commanded attention. He was the center of the spotlight again once you got through the quarterback conversation. I know Justin Fields is on the board, but that Micah Parsons-Cowboys marriage at number 12 and the way Jerry Jones introduced him and the kind of personality we know Micah Parsons brings – that is a spot where he will have the spotlight um, and, and he'll continue to get opportunities to expand on it with, you know, America's team. You're just swapping out Penn State linebackers. You get to the end of Sean Lee and you just trade him in for a Micah Parsons. It seems like a pretty good deal. Obviously, we don't care for the Cowboys here, but that's uh, a pretty good deal for him to, to plug into your defense. Again, like Oway, you can use him in a variety of ways. You can, you know, I don't know that he's going to be a guy that's in the middle of the defense, but this is a guy that you can move around and do a lot of different things. We've seen those linebackers be very successful. Uh, Tampa just won a Super Bowl um, with a guy like that. So I think that, you know, it's a good fit for him. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie and tell you I know the ins and outs of the Cowboys defense, but uh, he's a guy that should make an impact right away. And they, they're seeing him as a guy that can have an impact at multiple tiers, not just plugging him in at the middle as, as a middle linebacker and having him, having him go from there. And we will get Micah Parsons versus Miles Sanders twice a year. We will get Micah Parson, uh, Parsons versus Saquon Barkley twice a year, um, and uh, and we'll see how we'll see what the what 
Washington does next next draft because they got to get a star component. Uh, you know, Shaka Tony, Troy Aki are nice, but they, they got to step it up in the NFC East uh, power rankings in terms of former Penn State star Sean. So we'll see what they do maybe next spring. I'll get on that. Okay. <laughs> By the way, we will talk about that next episode. 2022 prospects out of Penn State um, that, that you know, the NFL scouts are, are going to be taking a long look and already are probably taking a long look at. Um, but We'll save that for next episode. Sean Lamont Wade, um, a guy that did not hear his name called. He's, he's the one uh, example of the free agency uh, market post draft for Penn State players this year. He ends up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a that's a homecoming for him. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not many players have had more success out of the WPIAL in recent memory than Lamont Wade and what he did. Um, what what do you make of this opportunity for him? It's a roster that features Fryermuth, Marcus Allen has, has caught on there and, and and moving to linebacker, and now it's Lamont Wade's opportunity here. Um, and it's it's a hard path, and and as we said, it's a path that really is going to be laid out upon the foundation of special teams contributions. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is obviously he's going as an undrafted free agent. The odds probably stacked against him, but you know he can potentially catch on, maybe make a practice squad, something like that, and work his way onto a roster. I mean, that's best case scenario right now. Again, special teams is going to be huge. We're going to see him probably plenty of him during the preseason out there, whether it be safety, nickel, whatever they want to use him. Um, you know, all my. Steelers friends are always uh, complaining about their defensive backs. So maybe he's got a shot there. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know what's in front of him. Um, uh, but uh, it seems like, it seems like an opportunity where, okay, he, he being from Pittsburgh means a great deal to him being from Clareton means a great deal to him. He's going to be able to live the dream of, of playing for his hometown team. Not everybody can say that, man. So, so all the best to Lamont. I hope he, I hope he makes the most of it. So as we said, third time in four years, six players picked out of the Penn State program. Uh, last year it was five. Uh, we'll see what lies ahead. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to, to, to navigate the next year just across the NFL draft because you're going to have six-year seniors and you're going to have these third-year sophomores, third-year freshmen, in fact, I should say. Um, next draft figures to be a, a really, really interesting one in terms of who declares. But uh, that's it for, for this one. We'll, we'll continue to keep tabs on those guys as they try to, to make moves in the NFL. It's time to make our move to the five-star mailbag, Sean. And uh, this one is, is pretty timely coming off of spring camp. It, it was something that popped up late in uh, in April. And here's the question. Is the rise in potential Penn State position switches more indicative of need or depth Quick review of that, the cornerback room uh, sending Keaton Ellis to safety, Marquise Wilson over to wide receiver. We saw Zariah Fisher spent his first year on campus at linebacker. Now he's a defensive end. And following the conclusion of the last spring scrimmage, James Franklin publicly declaring that they are exploring a position transition potentially uh, for 2020 starting linebacker Jesse Lucada. Um, it's a mix of both, as always. I mean, you, you, you're you talking about leaving depth at one area to go fill the need in another area. Um, and I look at Keaton Ellis for that because, you know, they're pretty deep and talented at, at corner. And that's the reason that you saw the flexibility there. You saw Marquise Wilson go over to wide receiver. So the depth they have, they feel pretty good about at cornerback with the, with the starters with Castro Field and Porter. Um, you know, Kalen King's emergence, I'm sure, had something to do with this. Of course, John Dixon could probably be in the same boat since he's a newcomer as well. Um, so you, you feel good about where you're at a corner, which gives you the opportunity to, hey, we've talked about a potential change to safety the entire time. Keaton Ellis has been a guy, a guy that's been in our crosshairs since you know the end of last season. Um, so that one makes sense. You, you have a needed safety, you have an overflow of depth at cornerback. Okay, that makes sense. Um, receiver's a little bit different. Um, you don't need the numbers at receiver. Obviously, you look at the depth chart and uh, you know there's kind of a saturation there of scholarships. 
Um, but you look at the guys that they have there and they feel good about four of them. But after that, it's a complete crapshoot. I mean, you're not sure what you're going to get out of Daniel George. You're not sure if Malik Mega or Jaden Dotton or something's going to come up, which is why you see Penn State sort of loosely connected to some of these wide receivers in the portal. They're looking for a guy that can come in and play right away. Is Marquise, is Marquise Wilson that guy? I don't know. We haven't seen enough of him to make that determination. But, you know, he brings he brings a nice skill set to that side of the, bo- of, of the ball, and he brings with him an attitude that I think can rub off on other wide receivers. So um, the need at receiver is not like, hey, we need a starter right here, but we need a guy that can get in there and make some plays with us if, if, if it comes to that. And we're not sure that – Jaden Dotton, Malik Mega, Norval Black, those guys are ready. And of course, the freshmen, you're not sure what you're going to get. So uh, I would say a little bit less need there. Now, Zariah Fisher, that's a move that we've been forecasting since I think he was a junior or a senior in high school. Um, but the need is there at defensive end, no doubt about it. He's, he's going to have an opportunity to, to try and break into the back half of that two deep. Um, I, can he do it? I, 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 we haven't seen enough to say whether he can do it or not. Um, but he's got long-term potential there that, that we certainly like. Unfortunately there, it's not taking away from the depth, a, a really deep position and taking it to a really thin position. You're taking it from a thin position to linebacker and you're moving him to defensive end. But again, this is a change that we all saw coming for a long, long time. Um, he's got that, that build, which you can stop trying to keep him as a 245, 250 pounder. He can now be a 260 pounder, a little bit easier on him, a little bit easier uh, on the, on the strength staff to maybe not walk that tight line. Um, and then again, with Luketa, you could probably say the same thing. I mean, he's, he's a big guy. He's listed. I didn't realize until I checked the roster. 255. Yesterday, 255. I mean, yeah. he's always been big. That's a big linebacker. So um, it kind of makes sense going from that. Now, what happens with the, the back half of that move? Because we always say, okay, if you're moving on defense, you start at corner, then you move to safety, then you move to outside linebacker, maybe move to inside linebacker, but probably move to DN, then from DN to defensive tackle. It's a chain of events. So what happens to backfill those other spots, like at linebacker? And I know you're getting a uh, catcher back healthy, hopefully, and that's obviously a knock on wood comment, um, but there's not a ton of numbers there. So do you see Jonathan Sutherland playing linebacker this year? Do you see Jair Brown out there linebacker? So you've got to account for the, the the taking a step back on that sort of food chain. And right now, that's that's a difficult situation, especially with the numbers at linebacker, um, especially because the safeties don't look like they're uh, you know, ready to go out there and fill a role like a, like a Sam outside linebacker. So that's where you're looking in the, in the portal. You're looking at maybe a linebacker. It's tough. It's going to be tough to get a, a quality linebacker because you essentially have those starting spots filled right now. Um, so you're looking at safety. You're looking at corners still. So it's just a, it, it, it's, I don't know that we can label it as need depth, anything like that, because once you're taking from somewhere and cornerback is the, the, the top spot on the roster, once you're taking them from there, you got to sort of backfill from, from, from other positions. So I think that's the, the difficulty in this is, is every, every story, every position change is going to be its own entity, but it's kind of, uh, I don't think it's all encompassing if you, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and there's also a difference between need and then recognizing that a guy you've invested a scholarship into would be more valuable for your football program and may find more value in his long-term football financial career. If he's in a different spot, sometimes that takes four years to realize. Sometimes that takes four days of spring practice for an early enrollee to realize that there needs to be a shift. And we've seen different guys move over 
you know, right now it, it, we're projecting it. We're, we're t- where the conversation is, is not reached a conclusion. Um, but if Luketa does make that move, the defensive end, Sean, if that was the move that, that Franklin is alluding to and say it's a full-time move where, where he is solely focused on a different role. I mean, we don't know much about what's going to happen at defensive end beyond the first few guys, the names we've talked about, Ebikade, Adiza Isaac, Nick Tarburton, if he stays healthy and continues on, on that trajectory, you know, Luketa throwing that mix, Uriah Fisher throwing that mix. I mean, it almost feels like you better be getting a significant dosage of snaps out of that combination of Luketa, Fisher, both one of those guys, someone's got to be a mainstay if you're going to take them out of that linebacker room, put them at defensive end, even if that's where they're best suited. Because as you're saying in the back end, you've got to hope that Tyler Elsden can carry over that momentum from a strong spring into the preseason. And you've got to hope Charlie Catchier stays healthy and that Kobe King is ready to play Big Ten football as a true freshman. Because if any of those things aren't correct, then you are just so dangerously thin at linebacker where you know, you're going to take on some pretty significant contact over the course of those 12 regular season games. Yeah. And that's where roster management comes into it because we go through that, that assembly line, essentially corner to safety, safety to linebacker. If you have two positions right beside each other that are thin, you're in trouble. And right now Penn state is thin at defensive end, thin at linebacker. So there's not a ton that you can do. There's not a, there's not as much wiggle room as you would like. You got 23 offensive or defensive tackles there, which, you know, maybe, able to help you a little bit in terms of moving a mean van over out and Hakeem Beeman or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's going to be a situation that's a little bit dicey, at least till they get some reinforcements in there. Um, again, not a lot to look for at linebacker right now, because you can't promise these guys a starting job. I mean, you looked at the the Clemson kid, Mike Jones, and uh, that was probably as, as good as you're going to find um, among linebackers that were in the portal. So he could have maybe given Curtis Jacobs a run for his money, filled in for that spot that we thought Lance Dixon would be in at this point. But it just it it really hasn't come along to that. So it's uh it's dicey. I mean, there's the, the, that that's the thing that I have the reservations I have about this team is yes, there's there's some talent in they've loaded up some talent in some spots. There's also some spots where they're, they're lacking and that's a couple of injuries here or there. They could be in trouble this year. So I think that that's something to talk about, you know, in the, in the future, but it's uh, it's not the the warmest and the fuzziest when you take a look position by position at what they have and, and who's ready to play right now. And unless you are working that transfer portal to produce another player for you, uh, before preseason camp, your newcomers that this summer at linebacker at defensive end, a couple of true freshmen that that we're not really putting in that category of being ready to roll out and play right now. Red shirt guys, um, you've, you've got. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Jamari Button is the name I was looking for at linebacker coming into into camp, uh, and then you've also got uh, Davon Townley at defensive end, and, and and we addressed this with both those players during the course of their recruitments. Yes, four-star prospects. No, not someone you can circle and say he's going to be on the field making a positive impact for this program on game days in 2021. So it's either transfer portal or work with what you got because, again, that influx from this true freshman class um, at those particular spots, Sean, I just don't forecast that. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be dicey here for, you know, a, cu- a couple months. We'll see where they go and what kind of changes Brent Pry makes to the defense to 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 adjust for that, to account for that. I don't you're, I don't think you're going to see a defensive line with all defensive tackles because that's what the numbers are. Um, but I think that they can get around it in certain ways. I mentioned Sutherland playing Sam, um, you know, just kind of 
got to be creative at some point and, and make those things happen because there's, again, there's some shallow spots on that depth chart and uh, you really would like to be, um, you know, you, you would, well, you would love a guy like Lance Dixon. You would love a guy, you know, those, some of those guys that have transferred out that maybe you didn't think could play huge roles, but could at least get on the field for you. You're off to Wisconsin week one. There is no tune up before that. Um, so a lot to sort through on the defensive side of the football before that matchup with the Badgers on September 4th. Uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Really, really strong mailback question there. We appreciate it. Encourage all our listeners to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star rating and review with your question for our five-star mailbag. Might be featured on the next episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast, which will come your way later this week. We'll take a look at some 2022 draft, pros- draft prospects out of Penn State talk more about the recruiting scene maybe have a guest on break things down as the camp circuit gets back underway across the country thanks to brian Dunn for his time thank you to our listeners for theirs on behalf of sean i am tyler donahue have a great day hello everyone it's michael richards here you might have seen me on cbs working on their champions league coverage over the last couple of years i wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that i've been working on it's called the rest is football It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.